December 9, 2021. It's the Watt for Pedro Show. show happy thursday started off with why was i born john Cotrain with kenny burrell one of the few recordings with the guitar man but you know i've been reading peter stefano lewis porter's book on john Cotrain, and there was a cat in philly 
Sandlow, Dennis Sandlow or something. He was a guitar man, and John Coltrane learned a lot of theory from him. And then we had Sean Pessinger is Prester John. It's kind of a reveal with that fucking project. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you could tell. Well, let me tell you the t- tune name. Uh, Gray, Green, Yellow. And uh, yeah, because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype adventure, I am not man alone, Pete. I got Prester John is Sean Persinger. Welcome aboard, Sean. Oh, thanks for having me, Mike. Absolutely. Happy to be here. And we got to give uh, uh, credit for the connect. A big thanks and... Mr. Feigenbaum of uh, Cuneiform, rec home of a lot of, actually a lot of happening guitar players on that label. But a lot of great guitar well, players and drummers. Yeah, everybody. I was going to just say a lot of good musicians, but man, I mean, it, there is a lot of guitar men. It's a lot of people uh, you having fun exploring possibilities with music. I, I love that. And for him to make that happen, you know, facilitate it. I don't know if he plays himself or anything, but he's definitely in love with music. Oh, he is. Yeah. Steve, Steve, I have one record of Steve's. He's on a compilation of a random radar record that when he was a kid but that's pretty much the only thing he ever released as far as i know and then he doesn't play since i mean that record is 40 years old okay so he played it a little bit but he's such a supporter of yeah. musical arts and stuff and so i know he has a big place for it in his heart and anyway i'm curious about your journey with music so please bring your earliest musical recollection well my earliest there's there's three of them basically it was hearing linda ronstadt's version of when will i be loved on the radio when i was a kid i remember that, that. the everly brothers song and i just thought oh this is this is what music is well she can make any song sound good but that's a good one to work with yeah that wonder well right you, you get two birds with one stone there right linda and the everly brothers so <laughs> it's hard to beat but the uh the other big one for me as a kid was uh you know, was it devil. reminds me, she had a record, right? Songs for my father, Cantos, for her father. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, devil Woman by Cliff Richard oh, was around yeah. the same time. Cliff Richard, his backup band, Shadows, yeah. which was incredible, right? Apache and... Absolutely. What was his, with the big glasses, right? Hank... Uh, Hank Marvin. That's it. <laughs> I think yeah. he's still with us, right? Still playing. Yeah. Hank Marvin. Yeah, it's not all ventures, people. But the big, the big one for me as a kid was was kiss i mean i came of age when when kiss was big and i heard that kiss record and i just thought i I always say i didn't want to be a musician when i first heard kiss i just wanted to be gene simmons that was that was the goal bass yeah really well i had i had no idea yeah same same fucking thing with me until d boone's mom put me i gotta tell you my kiss story we saw them like maybe four or five times before they had an album out they would open up for anybody we saw them open for wishbone ash for like nitty gritty dirt band savoy brown the Five Man James <laughs> Gang with Tommy Bolin, you know, all that wow. kind of stuff. And uh, I think that James Gang one is where Gene Simmons' hair caught fire and a roadie came on with a towel and knocked it off, knocked the fire flames off his head, <laughs> burning his head off. And, uh, and the last time we saw him, they did have the record. And uh, it, it was the worst. It wasn't as good. But I remember when the album f- did come out, I thought it was so slow because the gigs, they played everything twice as fast. So much more energy in the live performance. Absolutely. Yeah. And also yeah. they had all the good songs, right? They're not writing in the studio or bringing outside writers. They have all that stuff that they did gigs with, maybe going back to Wicked Lester shit. Yeah, yeah. All those songs with all that sexual innuendo that you totally miss as a kid. That you go back to an adult, you go every single song. It's worth a deuce. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they would open up as. And when they, we saw them when they had a record. Yeah, I think it was the Lunch Pail shit with like Destroyer, Bob Ezrin. 
It was at the forum, and Gene Simmons came on stage. He his bass was plugged in, so some roadie slid on his back and pushed it. You know, made it happen. <laughs> so, so, uh, so this next question: What was the first record you bought with your own money? It was probably Kiss record. It probably was because certainly my mom, my parents, always super supportive of my musical taste, no matter how weird they ended up getting. But. Uh, it was probably actually it probably wasn't Kiss. It was probably ACDC, Let There Be Rock or Power Rage. You know, I'm going to just say it's Power Rage because that's my favorite ACDC record. Totally underrated album. And uh, and that's when I would have first started about getting an allowance. I was about 10 yeah, years yeah. old. Yeah, yeah. You don't have a lot old. of money when you're a kid. So it's it's trippy. What, you, what are you going to spend it on? And what yeah, about the say, first, uh, first gig you saw? Well, you're going to love this. It was the first big gig. It was the Cap Center, Washington, D.C., Sammy Hagar, I Can't Drive 55 tour. <laughs> I saw him <laughs> a couple times singing for Ronnie Montrose. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and I think one of the times, no bass, I think it was left hand of the keyboard. Oh, wow. Some guy in a beret. <laughs> and Ronnie Montrose, you know, he, he could play some lead guitar. And, uh, Rock the Nation and Bad Motor Scooters. Oh, man, there's so many great songs. From, it wasn't rock, know, the, rock the Nation was like I Am Free by The Who. <laughs> Don't tell yeah. me. Okay, so, yeah, Arena Rock, okay. Because you didn't know about clubs. I, we didn't know about clubs either until the movement. Yeah, um, I was 13 years old, so it took, you know, I wasn't, I was, and I lived, in the, I lived in the boondocks of Virginia at the time, so that was a, that was a good hour and 15-minute drive. My dad drove me to the gig, and stayed in the car while I went to the show with one of my friends. I was 13. I think I just turned 14. That's that's like me and D Boone, but D Boone's pop sat with us. It was T-Rex, Long Beach Auditorium. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he's from Nebraska. <laughs> you know what the fuck this was? But he sat with us. I remember some of the Hari Krishnas were in front with sparklers. <laughs> in a gig, right? This 70s, right? Well, and I wonder, you know, it's it's one of those things. What was cooler? Your dad goes in with you to the show or your dad tells you at 14, nope, you can do it by yourself. That that felt like, oh, dad has respect and dad trusts you. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe D. Boone's pop didn't trust us. <laughs> I, I don't think, it, when I met D. Boone, the only rock band he knew was Creedence. So I don't think that his pop was way into Buck Owens. Oh yeah, yeah. so my dad would have yeah, yeah, grown up on country music too. He's back. Uh, he ends up back in Bakersfield. Mm -hmm. he moved. That's where he moved to first in California, and then he ended up back there. And you know, Buck had a club there and all that stuff. Buckaroos, and he just loved them. So it's trippy all the paths that lead to now. What oh, about yeah. what about school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Nothing. Not the. I didn't do anything musically in school until I got a guitar, and then it was just friends teaching me. But no, okay, I didn't take okay, bands. Let's, let's talk about that then, Sean. How did you get well, turned on to the guitar? So, again, between Gene Simmons and Angus Young, those were the two things where I thought, well, this is this is what I want to do. This is clearly what I want to do. And I spent the first year just pretending to play the guitar. I got the guitar, and that was that was enough. I didn't even have to learned any chords. Also, I got that, that Mel Bay chord book and I looked at it. And I thought this, this doesn't look like the chords that Angus plays. Yeah. Or <laughs> the Paul Stanley rhythm guitar solo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, That's what Deuce had. A lot of their songs, Firehouse at the beginning, 
Paul Stanley would have rhythm guitar solos. And in fact, there was this period in the 80s where he was doing clinics at the Shit Hard Centers. I saw his first solo tour, too. It was hilarious. It was at the little club that Mintman used to play called Bogarts in Long Beach, Marina Pacifica Mall. And, you know, 300 people packed. It was packed. And he, the limo, man, he must have had to run like 300 <laughs> yards. He runs the whole way from the limo to the stage. And in his mouth, he had like 100 picks, guitar picks. And he spit them out, out all of the peoples, of course, you know, showering them. And they loved it. And so, some dudes had their license plate they were holding over their head. Okay, this one's about Johnny in the streets. You know, it was hilarious. <laughs> I think he had Ozzy's band backing him up. Trippy guy, though. Once I saw him in Manhattan, at we, we buy guitars. Well, he was in the store looking at guitars, and I'm on the sidewalk. And I, I knew that rose on his shoulder. Yeah. That tattoo. Yeah. So I looked at him. I pointed. Of course, he can't hear me, right? And, but I mouthed it, right? Is that you? And he mouthed back at me. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought that Blue Thunderbird, the the non-reverse I got. I just bought yeah. her back after not playing her for 18 years. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, and I put a 51 uh, P-Base pickup instead of the original just because I've never had a single call. Okay, so you're doing like what I did with a baseball bat and some guys in Navy housing where like you turn on the record real loud and you just like mime it, right? That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> but at least you had the fucking guitar. Yep. Look, you, you gave me uh, this uh, Prester John, uh, Dave Kerman, silhouette number one. Let's listen. <laughs>
continues to turn Nobody knew they were fucked show that chunk of you start off with Prester John, Dave Kerman, silhouette number one, then Ava Mendoza, guitarist up in uh, Brooklyn now, she's from Orange County, but she made a record, it just came out with a solo guitar record where other cats wrote, wrote her music, like uh, Trevor Dunn wrote her a piece, Devin Hoff, both bass men, but sometimes us bass men know how to, you know the politics of bass, right? We look good <laughs> making you guys look good. I love, love it, right. love it, love it. Hi-Fi Club with Duke Garwood and Jean-Michael, or Michelle, I butcher their language, so sorry. Pardon my hard on. Bossini, Deep as a Sun, then Putin Club, out of France, Palais Bourbon, or like, you know, I still, if it's brown, it's going down, right, Bourbon. Thomas Prendon from the D.C. area, encountering an extended delay. These guys have recorded like 6,000 songs and done like six gigs in 40 years, but they're still going. Ray Shin. Outside a rider, I think out of Reno. Max Raddens, Taiwan. A Dutch dude who just moved to Taiwan. Vultures. I think this was his older... I think he's doing bass now, but this one he was on guitar. And uh, Bob Buckle Jr., uh, Sam Lock Ward out of Iowa with Lucky Break. And finally, Sean Persinger is Prester John. Blood jokes. Okay, so you got the book. Okay, what, what was the guitar? I'm I'm curious. What was your first guitar? Did you get uh, to pick it, or was it just given to you? Yeah, I well, I got to pick it, but it was because I was a beginner. It wasn't anything great. It was an Epiphone, and I can't remember which model it is. What, was fairly, it electric or acoustic? It was electric. It was solid body. Okay, and amp? and uh, and it. Uh, I had a little tiny ten watt Marshall amp. Of course, well, yep. at least it was Marshall. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't like I don't know. 
No, that was a good amp. That yeah, was a good I got amp. A little, you know, all these little prac amps for bass with the 8-inch speakers. You can't, yep. Yeah, I fart out on every Eastern note. I think I got a custom, but it don't have the tuck and roll. If it had the tuck and roll, I could... I remember seeing Creedence uh, concert and the, the curly cords. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Padded amps, so something about it, but maybe not the best sound. So the Mel Bay book, but do you go look for a teacher? Well, I had a good friend, this guy, John Cloud, and he knew all the heavy metal songs. So he taught me Dio and he taught me, actually a different friend taught me the Scorpions, but everything I was learning was just mooching off of friends. Scorpions, so uh, the one I like is, uh, what's the one with Robot Man? That's the good one. I think it's the second one. Okay. So uh, again, I'm sort of that. <laughs> so, so right for me, I was on that cusp of that arena rock metal. And then 1984, 1985 comes along and punk rock enters my life. Oh, and that okay. So it's a changed everything. Yeah, well, well right? I think the UFO guys and Scorpion guys traded guitar. Got Michael Schenker and these guys. Exactly. Uli Roth and stuff. But uh, I had a buddy who was way into this stuff. And, and so that's how I got a little educated to it. Uh, but I, I like that robot man. Check it out uh, someday. And uh, yeah, you're right. That's kind of a change. That's when the the who who are they called? Slayer. There's yeah, some, yeah. Right? Yeah, because the punk is kind of weird for a lot, especially more square uh, suburb guys. Like it's too. Well, for me, for too me, loud. Was, but they I like the fast that. music, right? They wanted the, the energy. But maybe not well, dress for, up like Halloween, you know, wear their own fucking costumes, but not that punk one. <laughs> well, for me, it was that heavy metal seemed to be more of a costume and more, I mean, it was obviously more commercial. So when punk rock came along and sort of eschewed that whole idea, that was like, well, here's the fast music and here's that negative attitude and also i would say this seems like these people read books too right i wasn't necessarily <laughs> getting that with all due respect to the heavy metal guys you just never got that impression not really <laughs> right or if they were reading books they were reading fantasy right that sort of uh, uh, uh power metal type idea but when i listened to the dead kennedys i thought oh this guy <laughs> jello biafra right there's an education here. And that guitar man was interesting. Uh, Ray, you He's know. He's Ray, yeah. Yeah, with the, with, the, with the Echoplex and stuff, he had kind of a signature. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. These All these punk guys came along, so there was there was D. Boone, there was East Bay Ray. Oh, also where you lived. Fucking Bad Brains, one of the best. Bad Brains? Little, again, they're, they're, they're a few years before I hit that scene. But the other big band for me was No Means No. Oh, yeah. Canada. They're one of my all-time favorite bands. In fact, when, yeah, yeah. When, right Andy, yeah, when Andy quit the band, I sent him a letter saying, I will join the band. I know all the songs, and I write songs. And He, then, he lives in uh, Holland. He, I, he gave me a yeah. solo album, and it was really good. And uh, yeah. He's lived there for many years now. And the Wright brothers have kind of retired from music. The, from they have. Victoria, right? Yep. Yeah, the big island off uh, Vancouver people. But man, all those some, guys something with... else. Rick Wright and uh, John Wright. Correct, yeah. Good. Rob, Rob and John. Yeah, Rob, that's it. Rob and John. Rob, the bass man. And sometimes he was Mr. Wrong. He dressed up like a priest with yeah, a leather yeah. hat. <laughs> yeah. I got to share the stage with him a few times. Incredible guy. Wow. And they read books. Yeah. They had, yeah, their first album is all about Jim Joyce and Ulysses. And shit. Yeah, what yeah, a great yeah. band. Yeah, trippy thing. In fact, I finished Ulysses when I was in D.C. Minuteman was torn with Black Flag. <laughs> so, okay, this guy who's got the inside knowledge on how to copy songs off of records right and he's showing you how to do this but what about after school do you do the bedroom band the basement band the garage band yeah so i have a band called feral children and there's no stylistic genre that we're not interested in so we're playing a little bit of everything 
only playing in the basement. We write about 40 songs. Whoa. We play a gig and people say, do you know any songs that we know? Wow. <laughs> and of course we didn't. We didn't yeah, know any but songs. Yeah, we were on the right track. They were, on, they were on the wrong track. That's the old days of the jukebox, right? The karaoke yep. machine, man. Man, I got a friend, a Roman piano player. He says, every band... Tribute band. You pretend you're another band. It's not even doing songs, right? It's like, you know, we're the fake oasis. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Man, she works hard for the money. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So this band obviously was for personal development. Since <laughs> you get yeah. one gig. And so what about, now you said schooling had no use for music for you. So after well, after graduating, do you go to higher education as far as music? No. That's what I do, is I go out to Los Angeles to Musicians Institute. Oh, okay, MIT. Yeah, yeah which was great. It was one, one straight year. But again, I was surprised at how conservative the music was. It was either jazz or it was, it was the shredder thing that was happening in the late 80s. And I was into experimental music. We were talking about Henry Kaiser. Yeah, Henry Kaiser yeah, yeah. Had, had put out a, a, a VHS cassette called Eclectic Electric. Right. And that was the only weird thing happening. And I remember a friend borrowed it. He said, he said, how was it? I said, well, it's pretty good, but it's not very weird. And I, and I let him, let him, I let him borrow it. And he comes back the next day and he goes, that's the weirdest music I've ever heard. What do you mean? But I thought, well, this is what I want to be doing. This is. Yeah. But pe yeah, people come from different places. Right. And, that's and also the problem. There's, there's this other thing too, about technical ability Versus mm -hmm. having your own fucking voice. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I was very much interested in both having the technical ability to 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 develop my voice, but you not the other way. I wasn't rather I had this voice and I knew there were certain things I want to do, but the techniques were unorthodox. They weren't the traditional techniques. Not that I didn't want to play fast and not that I didn't want to know a thousand chords, but I wanted to know them in the service of something new, not a mimic. Right, right. End up like a big scroll of player piano thing and you're just holes are punched in you. So when <laughs> run it through the machine, it'll come out correct. That's right. That's right. <laughs> life is too short. Life. I wrote a song with the Minutemen, right? Life is a rehearsal. It ain't a rehearsal. I was being <laughs> ironic, people. <laughs> Brother Sean, we're at the end of the first hour, December 9, 2021 edition Bob Peters, our special guest, Sean Persinger. Hold tight for hour two. December 9, 2021. It's the second hour. Watch for Peters.
Pedro Show, second hour, start off with No River Deserves a King. Okay, I'm going to try to pronounce it. Bodian. Close enough. Okay, and then uh, this is a Sean Persinger prod, so he's more of authority on this people. But bear me out. Live at Bang on a Can, online marathon, October 8, 2020. Yuka C. Honda and uh, her husband, Nels Klein, a good friend of Henry Kaiser. I think he did Yo Miles with Henry, mm. if you're hip to that. Yeah, Henry went and like, Reimagined uh, like the down on the corner, Miles Smiles kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bootstrappers, and this is a buddy, Nels too, and mine, Elliot Sharp. And in fact, me and George Hurley were part of the first version of the Bootstrappers in the late 80s. Elliot's got the best fucking initials for a musician. <laughs> right? In fact, if you want to get cut to the short and curlies, right, and a brief, just call him F. <laughs> right? E Sharp. That's right. Yeah, okay. And then finally, that word again, Boodian. With Cotton's sermon, there was a great uh, finger-picking uh, lady, I think North Carolina, named Libba Cotton, and B- Bobby Dylan, I think, got a, a del- yeah Elizabeth Elizabeth Cotton for That's sure. That's it, right? Yeah, Elizabeth Cotton. And Ed from Ohio wrote a song for her. I remember it for Firehose. So, uh, okay, that year in, in SoCal at the MIT, it was valuable, and even if you learned some stuff you didn't want to learn. I, lo- I wanted to learn everything. I know, I, I know, I know. But I'm saying the experience was, you wouldn't call it a waste of time, right? Anytime you play, you're invested. In no, it was great. That, that, that was a really great experience, and it, it flew by, right? And I'll tell you, one of the best things at that school is yeah. at the time, again, this was uh, 1990, 91, that uh, the library there, they had every guitar magazine that had ever been published. And I went, through, I was the only person who ever read the magazines in that, in that school. And I read every single magazine, and I had a list. I had this three-page list. If it was weird, I wrote it down, and I was going to find out about it. Years later, I lost that list, unfortunately. But I'll tell you, because I'll promise you that 50% of that list, people who were on that list, I'm probably, if not friends with them now, I'm acquainted, right? We're we're acquaintances well enough, because that was, you know how that scene is. That's very small. You know sure, Elliot sure. Sharp. You know almost everybody else in that avant scene yeah well in some ways punk was about that you know especially 70s punk yeah there was a lot of great fuck raymond pettibone played me john coltrane the first time i heard it and was told it was him i thought he was i thought he was older but i thought he was a punk rock i didn't know he was dead (laughs) yeah i just i think it was after we saw germs gig or something you know i I thought it was the same kind of yeah you know it's trippy about that stuff about how uh turning your friends on and making scenes and, and you know, stuff being about people. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And about a certain attitude of playing music in a certain way that, that uh, I, I love this line from Devo that sometimes they're just more interested in ideas. Absolutely. You don't even have to like the finished product. If you like the idea. I think that's where the term conceptual comes from in art. Yeah. Right? It's an idea thing. Yeah. And, uh, which is kind of insane because how can you really have stuff without ideas? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Which true. That's everything true. is just like... fucking knee-jerk reactions. We're just like a bunch of automatons <laughs> reacting to. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some ideas. Some, I- some ideas are more original than others. Ah, right? that's a good point. Animal Farm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good old Napoleon and Snowball. Okay. Uh, what about teachers? Because that's right out of education. That can make a real impression on you. I mean, they can have like the resources, like you say, with the zines and the structure of a synopsis and all that. But, you know, the idea, because I think this is missing, Sean. Maybe it's getting more and more because like I took a drummer on tour was 40 years younger than me. But the idea of older and younger people playing together, uh, 
maybe not so much mentor sensei of this thing, but no, I think mentor is, I think mentor is a good good term. Yeah, well, you I'm take, not saying it's so strict. It could be very casual. It could you just it inspire could be. because that guy has a good technique at teaching. And like with basketball, usually the best coaches weren't the best players. This is true. And usually the good players, terrible coaches. <laughs> I don't know why humans. You know, I mean, we're a we're, we're a, a dualistic. Uh, we we dangle our dualities. Well, some people have are more cerebral and other people are more intuitive. And sometimes those things don't always line up. But if you can if you can find your it, I think sometimes the problem is when you when you think you're the artist, when it turns out you're more of the the, the academic and you don't realize that <laughs> one's not better than the other. But if you've deluded yourself, it can be a real problem. Yeah, well, life is roles and we're taking turns. I think that's the most healthy thing. If you get too static and lose the dynamism, because, what you know what I mean? We're all yeah. in the situation, right? You know. Uh, but do you have any teachers from that experience that you'd like to give credit to? I would dare say no, sadly. that's okay. I'm, It's my biggest regret. I always tell anybody young, find a mentor. Find somebody that can tell you what they did wrong or what they did right or what you shouldn't be wasting your time on. There was nobody there, at the school like that for you. No, that school was pretty conservative. In fact, the, the best story I have as a teacher at school was walking on to do this. We had a class called Instrumental Performance. And as I walked on stage, this relatively conservative jazz teacher said, uh, here comes Sean. Yeah, a lot of people don't like Sean at school. And there was this long pause. <laughs> and, and I walk you up and I plug in and he goes, that's because Sean does his own thing. And people don't like that. Well, maybe he was rooting for you in a way. He he was. He was totally rooting for you. He was just me, trying to backhand a, it, right? Yeah, it was a backhanded compliment. And I walked off stage and I went, okay, I get that. Maybe I do have to come to terms with you're not necessarily going to be popular, right? You don't win popularity contests Vincent, that way. Vincent sold one painting. Well, that's the problem. But, you know, I Now his are the time. biggest paintings in the world. He sold one. But I grew up at this time when I was a little delusional. I thought, oh, yeah. well, of oh, course yeah. I can reach a mainstream audience because I grew up listening to AC. Look, and... you got Mike Barnes' book on Cat Beefheart, Zoothorn Roll. You know, I thought yeah. I joined the Magic Band. I thought I was going to be this big rock star. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah well, right. oops. Yeah. Well, and let me tell you, you know, like Ryan Cooter risk... said, Ryan Cooter said, I got a little brown shirt. Can, can I play this Train Rain Zero? I love this time. Yeah, yeah, please.
for Pedro Show, that chunk of music. Boo-doo-doon with Train Rain Zero. Emmett Kelly, Bloomsday. I know it's six months early, people, but wishful thinking. Mama Lee, some valiant soldier. And finally, Prester John, song for Henry Threadgill to sing. <laughs> right. Hey, I hope you. I hope you realize that's a tribute to the Minutemen too, right? With political song for Michael Jackson and yeah, song yeah, for and the, and the, Madonna to sing, right? For Dose, I did, I did a song like that. And then the one for uh, the Firehose, the singer for REM. Yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that was that was actually what it was. Michael oh, Stipe yeah? was going to do a solo record, and he asked me to write him a song. So, I ah. a song. yeah, that one. And also the Mike Jackson one, I actually. I thought Mike Jackson sang this song. I would never have to fucking explain the Minutemen. So I sent it to a little demo of mine, a cassette to his manager. I never heard back, but uh, it's shocking. It's shocking. <laughs> Look, Boudion. What, what Boudin. prize is this? What's that? What, what prize is this of yours? What prize? Yeah. Or is oh. it a going band, or is it? That was the band from 90, I think, 94 to 99, and then poof, gone. Oh, we, okay, okay. Yeah. So you come back from California? Yeah, I come back from California, and I more or less, that's the first big project I ever put together. And we were pretty successful right out of the out, out of the gate. We put out a record that really released ourselves, and then we got signed to Cuneiform. We put out a record called uh, Astronomy Made Easy, which was... <laughs> which was uh, well-received, and then we did this record, The Stolen Bicycle, and in between those two, we actually put out a live record with another label, and then poof, it was gone. So we had these four uh, really... But an important think, chapter in your music journey. Yeah, super yeah, important. Yeah. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, December 9, 2021, Dish Watt Peter Show special guest, Sean Persinger. Hold tight for hour three. December 8, 2021, it's the third hour of the Watt Peter Show. Thank you. 
For Pedro Show, start of the third hour. Prester John, Tall Tale Pathology, and Rocket, Prime Instrumental Jive, the SOS version from Mountain Offensive, Brother Phil, Big Bear. The favorite color of light, and it's got the England spelling. It does. Prester John. Now, look, you're talking about some of these musicians read books. Now, where I know Prester John is from fucking Echo, and Berno Echo's uh, Baudolino. Yeah. And, uh, I learned I learned about it from Daniel J. Borston's The Discoverers, this phenomenal book about inventions that had nothing to do with war or conquering. And I just thought I love this story of this practical joke that uh, had a historical reference. Yeah, supposedly they thought there was a whole kingdom and shit, right? Whole kingdom, yeah. The people went looking for it, spent millions of dollars at the time what you know trying to find this mythical kingdom this this garden of eden that was just a, a prank yeah or, or it was like kind of blurry idea of india and they didn't know it was india yeah. or some shit yeah. <laughs> right. it's i mean even uh you know in the middle east and stuff there was battles with the elephants and like yeah. the European dudes didn't know elephants. You should see the yeah, drawings. You ever see the drawings of this shit? Like the big, yeah, elephants or giraffes or, or, or like big horses. Yeah, giraffes too. Yeah, I had no fucking idea. So you 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 get hip to this as an as a um, a persona, a musical persona. Yeah, well, I I knew I was in this band with a name that was hard to spell and pronounce. <laughs> And and after that band, my name is a little plain. It's Sean's a little soft, right? There's no yeah. constant hard consonants in there. So I added the Prester John on 
just as a marketing tool so that I can say is, and I would even call venues. They go, I've never heard of Sean Persinger. And I'd say, is Prester John? And they go, oh yeah, I haven't listened to your CD right now. So hence, it, hence, it, hence why you call some of these tunes, Sean Persinger is Prester John. Yes. Well, the, the is Prester John are solo albums oh, and okay, okay. Prester John is a duo. Okay. Yeah. But you also got one, like one alone, right? Yeah, I got one alone, and then I have the guitar quartet, but that guitar, guitar quartet is all me. Okay, overdubbing? Yeah. Okay, That's, that, tell me about how you compose. Oh, well, you know how it is. Some you, you get the one idea. I mean, it took me a long time to figure this out, but maybe not that long. As long as I had a measure of music, I knew that there was at least – another 64 measures within that first measure. So I would just develop that idea over a period of time. And like we said, trying to take all those different influences. After being in Boudin, Boudin was this progressive rock band a la uh, the Mahavishnu Orchestra, King Crimson. I saw them. Yeah. Birds but I was also... Tour. I didn't see King Crimson, but I saw Rick Laird. We just lost him. Good bass Yeah, we did. We did. You know, what, what I was getting at is like, do you like come into like a vo voice memo or do you uh, make demos or do you have, you know, uh, you know, just improvise it and you capture yeah, yeah. that? No, I would uh, basically since the early 90s, I, I was a tablet trick guy. I'm not a great sight reader, but I would just write everything down in tab. I'd get an idea and I'd write it down. And then basically since the year 2000, I've been writing everything on the computer. I, I mean, I play it and then I write it down on the computer. Uh and then practice. If I write it down it. on the computer. You mean like use it as a tape recorder? No, I have a. I use a. Oh, you use like a syllabus or the, this kind of software. Uh, Finale. Finale is the okay, one that Finale. I use. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would dare say everything I've written in the last twenty years, I have written. I have sheet music for it. Ah, good man. I mean, yeah. reading about that John Coltrane, that that was really important to those guys. Those guys were phenomenal readers, all right? Yeah. That was the job. That was that. that you would you'd get a union card unless you were a reader. Yeah, yeah, intense, right? And then yeah. we jumped out of your fucking mind. I don't know how somebody like Paul Chambers. Oh man. Okay. Here's another one. I guess the man alone's. Well, the other one is too, but only one iteration in the audio. Five planets visible with the naked eye. Yes. And you're right, right? That's it. Means a wanderer, right? Well, that's the, before the telescope, there were the five that you could see, right? Yeah, well, they wandered. They weren't like stars. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. here we go.
Sit for each other in a vacuum. Occupy the time down by the beach. Sun drawn as always will forever think of her.
Falling into the same pattern Black eye taking the time Head toward midnight In a love between Shattered in timeless purgatory None of us has the right image And our poets retreat Leaving us in political His poetry dropped away Slowly falling To the sea Sage and time Sage and time Thank you. 
toward midnight in a lonely tree break. Sheltered in timeless purgatory. None of us has the right image. A poetry tree, leaving us in political rage. It's poetry. Dropped away of sage and time, of sage and time, of sage and time, of sage and time.
for Pedro's show, last music for this edition. Five plants visible with the naked eye. And, uh, you know, Sean Persinger is Prester John. And, and he's enlightened us to the fact, before the telescope, Mr. Galileo, th those are the only five you could see. And, of course, the one that took the longest, right, that was Kronos, or Saturn. And if you put a washer in the middle of its Greek little symbol, it's the Blue Oyster Cult logo. <laughs> Nice. Mr. Gollick, we got to thank for that. Mike Cooper after that, live at Cave 12, winner of 2016, part one of two. Mike Cooper, incredible cat, plays, uh, what's it called? Uh, th three, three, uh, resonator guitar with three pie tins or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and all through effects and stuff, really interesting. He's on the show a couple months ago. Six stories of an ancient astronaut. Whoa, some Von Donneken. Remember that guy? Yeah. Yeah. There's some stuff. Yeah. Sean Persinger is Preston John. So what's going on right now? Have you made any collaborations during this uh, situation? Like no, the big, the, big, the big thing I've been doing for the last year is is my weird guitar lessons. I have this YouTube channel that's just ridiculously unpopular, so I know it must be good. Uh, <laughs> Memories of that teacher at MIT. Well, right, exactly. So that's the that's the thing that I enjoy doing the most these days is I'm I'm interested in, in demonstrating weird ideas and sharing that and showing some unusual techniques and also trying to celebrate some lesser known players in those videos too. I am I'm like you. I'm interested in celebrating what's great and unusual and obscure because you know there's it doesn't matter if there's only twenty people for that audience. Yeah, those are twenty people who are hungry for it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, having a bunch of fucking rubber stamp versions of the same thing really don't help. It's right. It's right. <laughs> it really don't help. Okay, I understand you, you know, bell curves I, I, and all that shit, but come on. We got to have yeah. at least some semblance of choice. And that means dudes who dare. People That's who, right. Who, who, you know, let the freak flag fly. Or what uh, Bob Marsh um uh, jump jump away from the pole yeah jump away yeah well and, and i gotta tell you mike because i don't want to run out of time and not be able to tell you this but the risk of sounding sick oh, it, it. like being on this show is to me is like that's this measure of success as a kid i loved your records and thought well that's the sort of thing i want to do and and it, in i gotta ask you two questions is in history lesson part two you yeah. got that great lyric our band is scientist rock. And to me, I thought that's what every band should be. That's... Okay. I didn't make that up. It comes yeah, from who's... it comes from Richard Meltzer. The Minutemen it was a bad state for us in a way. SST Records was in trouble because of Unicorn, all that bullshit up in Hollywood and can we get a record out? Joe Carducci puts out the Bean Spill EP on his own Thermidor label and I send it. Uh, Richard Meltzer had sent me, you know, he wrote words for Blue Oyster, he's a huge hero, but he also had a radio show called Hepcats from Hell in the 70s here, you know, they have punk people on there and stuff. Anyway, he sent me a, a two of clubs playing card. So I sent him that EP with that card back, like play, you know, play the card, right? Yeah, and he yeah. puts an article in Cream Magazine, and the first sentence is, Minutemen are scientists, Rock. Nice. See, it's about people. It goes around. And, and you being on the show is the same thing as me getting to send Richard Meltzer a record. Then he writes about it in Cream Magazine. Yep. Yep. You understand? It, it, it's all, it, 
it's not stepping stone shit. It, this is the fabric of this kind of culture. It's a spiral. So, so you're like one of the, you're like the next shift, you know, and Richard was the, the shift before and maybe Watson the shift in between. I don't know, but we're connected in a way. It's, it's not, it's hard to explain because no one's kind of in the doing. So there's a reason why you're on this show, you know, I, Brother I, Steve, I, yeah, too, I, he hit me to it, but then he got a label going, right? He had a little yeah. interest in music. He wanted to promote me. You, you, can you see these similar minds and spirits coming together like that? Very much. Okay. Very much. That's my guess. So I got to ask, the, the other, other question, question I got to ask, because it's driven me nuts for years, is who is Bob Dylan's soldier child? Is that the narrator in A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall? Or not the narrator, but is that who the narrator is talking to? What is that lyric? That lyric is me trying to explain what words and songs were about. I didn't know. I thought words and songs, you know, Boyster Cult and Creedence and that. Yeah. I thought it was like a lead guitar. I thought words that, that had any kind of meaning was only Bob Dylan, who was like your weird relative at Thanksgiving muttering shit. <laughs> See, Mr. Narrate, yeah, I'm trying to understand what are words in a song. D-Boom with History Lesson, I'm, I'm speaking to the, the part one, right? Where he's being really literal about humans treating each other like assholes. Yeah. Well, I'm coming at it in another way where I'm trying to say, well, humans can come together through expression, but how does that work? And maybe, like I, I just said to you about with Richard Meltzer, the knowing is in the doing. By me and D. Boone making a band, being part of the movement, uh, writing songs, you know, about, you know, as expression, not, not, not like building models, just things to look at like it kind of looks like the original. You know what I mean? By, by actually using it... Like the, like the pocket knife, you know? Is the art really in the pocket knife? Or is it what is to be carved with the pocket knife? Yeah, And then, yeah. you know, you go to Reverb.com and shit. It's all about gear. It's all about you can find a shortcut on the truth with the right machinery, right? <laughs> Just like having the right haircut or, or what you were talking about, the, the branding or the right band name. or Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, that's not... You, you're hip to that, right? Yeah. Okay, that's... I was... In, Come on, what just started learning to write songs and then, right? I was 25 years old and kind of clumsy and shit, but th that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to relate music is music, you know? And uh, Bob Dylan, you know, somehow we're in the same boat with that guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it, man. I love it. You have, well, it means you, so much I, to I, me. Yeah, but I, I apologize for driving you nuts with it. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, it's what's great, right? That ambiguity. If you laid it out that, it was, if it was obvious, it would be worth talking I'll about. I'll tell you an ambiguity I put in there, that song, on purpose. It's the word fucking. I use it as both adjective and verb. I, my stu So I teach the history of rock at the <laughs> University of New Haven. And that's a, stu that's a line every time a student goes, what does he mean by fucking corn dogs? <laughs> That's what's great about it. You get yeah. to pick. Okay, you got a website, Sean? Uh, yeah, uh, PrestonJohnMusic.com. Okay, people, P-R-E-S-T-E-R-J-O-H-N.com. Check it out. When you get some new stuff, will you come back on the show? I could talk to you for years. 
Uh, anytime, Mike. Okay. My pleasure. And, and I love the idea that you're educating people with the open mind in mind. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Keep on keeping on. People, December 9, 2021, in the dishwap, Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.